Welcome to another episode of The Bobble Guys, and sad to say, everybody, this is season four's season finale. We're going to take a break over the summer. Jerry and I need to recharge our batteries. I think Jerry's going to hit the beach. Is that what you're doing, Jerry? Where you uh, I will not be hitting the beach. Yeah, are you a mountains guy or a beach guy? Or I'm, either, a, I'm no. a plains guy. Just give me <laughs> <laughs> Just the, the flattest area possible. Kind of meets my boring personality. That's right. Just that's right. flat land. Just sitting there eating vanilla ice cream. There you go. And yeah, okay. Wow. That's that's awesome. Uh, you, are you guys planning on going anywhere for vacation? Can you tell us? <laughs> can you tell our listeners where you're going and where you're staying? Um, probably not. I'll probably go to... Maybe hit Disney World. I All love right. going to Disney World. Yeah. That's something I found out recently about you, that you're a Disney World fan. I am. Yeah. But, you know, now I'm faced with all the issues that are going on in Florida and the the DeSantis. And so, you know, what do I do now? Do I still go? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll easy. do it. That was easy. That was easy. I'll uh, just have to avoid certain weeks. I guess so. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what that means. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, I think we're planning on going to a couple of places, but we're kind of staying around here a little bit and go visit some family. But that's not why our listeners... Is that a vacation? Seeing family? Uh, yeah. Why not? I love my family because I'm, sure, I'm sure they're all listening. I'm glad. <laughs> None of them listen. To, they're over me. They don't listen to this. Um, but really, that what the people paid for is our annual, or I should say our seasonal potpourri jamboree here at the end (laughs) we get all these questions um people submit and we look at those and go those will not be long episodes we can answer those things pretty quickly maybe 10 minutes and and we want to kind of fill a podcast episode of 20 to 30 and make people's commute better so we usually collect all these questions and put them here at the end and so we got a couple but before we get started um jerry you're looking a little peaky today man i am so tired what's going on well, the smoke alarm, well, when the, the battery in the smoke alarm wears down, you know, the thing starts beeping. Yeah. And so I was asking the question, am I the only person whose smoke alarm that happens to like at 2 a.m.? Because right. that's what happened yeah. this morning. It never, in all of my life, I've never heard that happen, the thing go off in the afternoon or the morning. Okay. It's always like 1 a.m., 2 a.m., which yeah. happened today. So get up, and then you have to – I think we have four on the – we just have a one-story okay. dwelling. Gotcha. And I think there are four of them. So you have to go stand under the under the first one. Right. Wait like two, three minutes, and, oh, it's not that one that beeps, and you go to the next one. So it's always the fourth one. Yeah. So I, I did not get back to sleep, and I am really, really tired. Okay. Yeah, that is a frustrating thing, especially when you're trying to hunt it down. You. Yeah, and you don't want to turn on lights because I mean, with us, we have little kids, uh, or we have younger kids, and we didn't want to like turn lights, wake up everybody. So it's just this awkward. I'm going into all the rooms listening to the point where if my kids woke up and they would just hear, they would see a shadow of some yeah man with his ear up to the smoke detector, it would give them nightmares. But I get it. Yeah, that's a. I rem, I'm remembering of a time as you told that story one night. Um, this was back when our oldest was, I mean, just like a toddler. He had just been given this little tykes thing that was, um, it was a, a toy that where it had like animals in it and you had like sheep and cows and all that. But it was like, you could hear the noises of the sheep, noises from the cows. Mm-hmm. So in the middle of the night, I wake up to, and I'm a light sleeper. I wake up to this horrific sound. I mean, it's, it's just like, like that. I just jump right up and I hear this thing go off. So I find out that it's that, thing. It's that toy, this plastic mm. toy that he's getting, this little trike he can roll around in. 
And when I found out what it was, I just opened the back door and just pitched it. Oh, the man. No so I just, I just heard that just going off into the distance. And because in the middle, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess if it was at three in the afternoon, I'd re- recognize, oh, that's a goat sound. But at three in the morning, that sounds like a homicidal devil witch trying to break into my house. Yeah. I'm like, that's got to get out of here. Or a slaughterhouse toy. Something, yeah. being slaughtered or something. Well, we'll get through this. And if you fall asleep during the podcast, I'll carry it like I always do. I'm close. And, yeah. I'm really close. <laughs> All right. So one of our questions we got, um, and it's, we'll start off with a light one, because we've done a podcast about music and people ask us, how do you define music and, or like what's worshipful and things like that? What's your style? But the question kind of gets really more pointed is, what kind of music do we like to listen to? Yikes. And you and I, even though I'm going to say this, we're, we're di- there's a difference in our age. We did find out early in our friendship that we have similar music tastes. Some, yes. I liked I like classic rock. You grew up in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I did. So what was it like to meet Elvis? But anyway, so yeah. um what are some things that that you like to listen to? Man, this could be really incriminating. Okay. I'm not sure I should even answer this. I feel like the now it's dead air. Either you do it or we edit. Well, let me just say this. All right. I feel like I have to make all these disclaimers. Okay. In every genre, of course, there's horribly yeah. sinful types of music. So right. obviously neither one of us would advocate no. that. We right. do need to be very careful. Right. I'm actually embarrassed on the conservative end. Okay. Because if I were to tell you certain artists I like mm-hmm. that way predate me i mean this is like getting really really old okay i find that that feeds my soul all right which you could probably tell by that comment where i am on contemporary church music Mm -hmm. um but i i i uh, i listen to some really old stuff and but then i like some secular things that i'm not sure i should even mention okay I think you're trying to make me look bad. Bro, that's just the question that was sent, man. You got to give that. I'll go with mine. Um, recently, my wife bought me a, a record record player so to play the old vinyls. Oh, yes. There's some music I can that, relate to that. There's some music that was just meant to be, meant to have that crackling and popping sound. So um, she actually went and bought some um, albums. She was at a thrift store. Like, like almost, I think it was like either the Rescue Mission thrift store or somewhere like that. It wasn't like, it wasn't like she was getting them for an art project she was going to do. She was going to melt these albums down and make dishes. And I was like, okay, okay. But then she found some and she goes, I'll just let you have these. When she gave it to me this past Christmas, it in, in this mix was one, an album by the doors, which I'm like, okay, I'm not a big doors fan, but it's, uh-huh. it's an album, but Fleetwood Mac was in there. Hmm. The rumors album. I remember that. Which is like the best one from Fleetwood Mac. I'm like, are you kidding me? So at Christmas, um, other people are listening to Jingle Bells. We're listening to um, Secondhand News and uh, and Silver Springs. So, so your whole family is listening to this. I played it. I play. You know, I'm, of course, I'm keeping it. You know, they can't tell what it is. But we're playing through some of the, um, like, just the sound of it. And my kids are like, this is cool stuff. But we also got some jazz. She got me a Duke Ellington, oh. which I love jazz. Um, Etta James, those kind of. I'm a big jazz fan, hmm. and uh, I love Motown. That's my thing. Mornings are for Motown. So if I'm up in the morning and I've got the earbuds in, if the kids aren't awake yet, I'm listening to Stevie Wonder. I'm listening to Sam and Dave. Um, I'm sitting by the dock of the bay. I'm doing all that. Hmm. The kids know if I'm either it's in the mornings or if if I'm in the kitchen and Motown's playing, it means I'm cooking. 
That's just kind of that's kind of my thing. You didn't know I was a Motown guy, did you, Jerry? I did not know that. Yeah. I do like some jazz. I like um, love Maynard Ferguson. Okay. Some people see you have no idea. I'm, I who nodded. Maynard Ferguson is I nodded. Um, and then one of his offshoots, I think Wayne Bergeron. Um, anyway, so yeah. So you know, let me say this though. Go ahead. I was one of those guys that had a lot growing up a lot of the albums that if you grew up in a more conservative church you would end up breaking at some point right so i can remember breaking all of these albums and throwing them away yeah in my generation we we, we had the youth group and burn them in a fire and <laughs> yeah same same thing <laughs> yeah so uh but now i've come back to actually listen to some of that now and i haven't named any of the artists but i would listen to some of those but something i found is that while I obviously both of us think it's okay to listen to secular music, again, with all the disclaimers, right? I still think that we need to be careful to feed our souls on godly, biblically solid um, songs that, that really fe- feeds the soul, that really motivates us. Music is so powerful. Yeah. I think we really need to be careful that even if some secular music is fine and good, mm-hmm. if that takes the place of the best, our souls still are going to to dry up. Yeah. So I, th- I think we need to be very discerning, not only what we listen to, but the amounts of each, and just really guard, guard our hearts is yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, I agree, and I think that's true. And I think the principle I follow is that if, if it glorifies something God hates— Absolutely no. That's a definite no. Can't can't right. do that. Um, if it's something that is magnifies something that God made, that's good. You know, like for example, my wife and I, we have songs together that aren't hymns. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, it makes me think of her. Well, if it's, it's glorifying this marriage that God has given me between me and my wife, and mm-hmm. so I, I celebrate that. But I like how you said that. But that can't take the place of what's these enriching songs that right. that speak to the heart. They're worshipful. They're yeah. turning my attention to the, the Almighty God. That's important too. Yeah. So I don't want to say either way. I think this is where in music I hold that view in Ecclesiastes where he says it's it's good to hold onto this, but not let go of this. A wise man comes forth with both of them, or a wise man walks in balance. And yeah. I think that's important. And I, I think. Um, Music is part of God's common grace. Absolutely. And God wants us to enjoy life. There's nothing wrong with enjoying secular music. But again, with those two major caveats, I think that's important. All right. All right. So our next question is more in line with with kind of our style. We're not musicians. Uh, I play the radio. Well, I actually am. Did you know that? No. What do you do? That was one of my one of my life goals, to go into music. So what do you play? Trumpet. Did you really? I did. Do you still? I put it away. It's been away for a couple decades. You don't just go outside now and then blow the trumpet just to freak out your post-trip neighbors? Uh, yeah, I'd like to. <laughs> um, I don't. You know, the the lip really uses, it, it, it gets out of shape. So, for example, I couldn't pick up the trumpet now and play it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could barely hit some notes, but I could barely get above tuning C right now. The, the lip's just out of shape. Okay, so... I, I play I play the harmonica, but the blue, oh. the bluesy style. I wonder what the blues things is with you. It's just got that. That's just what I grew up with, man. That's you did, what, yeah. Well, I, I mean, okay. I grew up with the classic stuff, and so I like 
I like that stuff, man. When a good harmonica into a, a, a song with a good guitar and maybe some drums, it's really good stuff. I like the way it sounds. So you and I should walk down Beale Street in Memphis. I've never been to Memphis. Hmm. I right. lived there, you know. No, I did not know. I did. This is the Get to Know Jerry podcast. Episode. Yeah, All well, right. so you would like Beale Street. All right. But yeah, I can do that. But this next question has more to do with, with a little bit this more our style. We get some questions all the time. Sometimes questions get sent in, and sometimes we know our listeners. And that's what's beneficial about this podcast. Some of you guys who are listening to this, we know you by name and you know us. And sometimes we get this question. I get it. Um, I get some questions when I'm talking to people like, you know it would be a good episode if you did this? And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'll submit it, send it in. Sometimes they'll say something. I'm like, yeah, that's not a good episode. We're not going to touch that. Um, but this one was pretty good. The question was, what do you guys do when you're in a sermon or you're sitting at church or you're at a chapel or some kind of maybe conference and the speaker does one of those interpretation faux pas we talk about all the time here? Mm. How do we handle it? Um, what, what do you do? Do you get up and leave? I mean, some people think we just get up and storm out, waving the Bible guy's flag, <laughs> yeah. handing out stickers as we leave. Um, what do we do in those situations? Or maybe the question I get a lot is, what do you do if you're a member of a church and your pastor does one? Should you talk to him about it? Mm. So what do you think? Yeah, I get that question a lot, oddly. And um, I think there are a lot of answers to that. There's, there's not just one thing you do. I think, first of all, remember that we've all done the same thing. I mean, we've all butchered a text at one time or another. We've all preached sermons we wish we hadn't preached. So first of all, I have a degree of humility. We've all messed up at some level. Yeah, my degree in humility is honorary, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I think the other thing is to remember that we are still sitting under the Word of God, that even if something is blatantly incorrect, we still need to get from that sermon something from God that can come out of the text. I think that's the second thing. The third thing, I, w- I would say, if this is a regular pattern with certain pastors, then their priorities probably are off. Uh, They're not studying like they should. They're not giving the priority to Scripture and teaching it as they should. So I think it's it at some point it can become a rebuke of them as well. Yeah, I would agree. And let me speak to specifically to the question or the statement as you said. We've all made that mistake. Um, We got to be careful that you don't walk in and pride in this. I have a thing where I tell at our church, I joke around with our pastor, I have this resting Baptist face. It's just stoic. Like you're looking across me now, I'm trying to smile. I never know what you're thinking of me. <laughs> right. So I have to be very conscious when, when a pastor or somebody's looking over, I want to smile or show some, yeah, I got I to gotta turn the face on, not because I'm faking it, just because I know my regular face looks like I disapprove of everything. Um, but I have to remember to do that. And I think sometimes that's an important thing too. A lot of times guys in our circle, seminary grads or, or pastors, they, they kind of put off this vibe of, I could have done it better when I listened to you preach. Right. And we have to make sure we don't do that. I'm reminded, yes. I'm reminded by of Deal, the story of Deal Moody when um, some, some students, at, um, at his, they were going to his church. There was a professor at the college who was teaching theology, and some of the students that went to Moody's church would go in and challenge that professor saying things like, well, that's not what Dr. Moody says. Dr. Moody said this. And so when Dr. Moody found out that these students were doing that, he invited that professor to come speak at his church. 
Mm. So that professor's all, he's new, he's scared, he's terrified, he's thinking they're probably going to investigate me and see. <laughs> so he goes to preach, and D.L. Moody's sitting on the front, and as he's preaching, D.L. Moody is constantly saying, oh, wow, ooh, he's writing notes going, I didn't know that. Oh, that's new. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Mm. He's, he's just showing the rest of everyone, hey, I can learn too, so yeah. you should be able to learn. And I love yeah. that story of, of D.L. Moody, what he did. That's, that's great. Something else I think of going to our responsibility is – you know, you can have, say, a missionary goes to some foreign field. They, some people are saved. They they plant a church, and they're translating the Bible into their language. They may have like the Gospel of John. That's it. And you got this this new pastor doing the best he can with just a copy of John. We're sitting here in America and other places around the world where we have so many resources at the end of the day, even if that guy misinterprets portions of John's gospel, I think God is more pleased with him than somebody like us who have so many resources and we're just, you know, not handling the text accurately at all. You know, we may get more right than that guy does, but I think God's going to hold us responsible for not using what is available to us. And Paul is very clear to Timothy, uh, not only in 1 Timothy, but in 2 Timothy. He is to be diligent in how he handles correctly the Scripture. So based on what is available to us, I guess that's what I'm saying, Mm -hmm. we are responsible, even though, yeah, we make mistakes, even though we may change in some things when we get some new information. um, If that becomes a pattern where we're really messing the text up, then I, I think that does become a problem. Yeah, and I think in those situations where if you feel like you need to talk to your pastor, I think if you're going to do that, you definitely have to do it with humility. Oh, no question. You definitely don't go in with you know all the a list of things you found. You know, like in on, in April you preach oh, this. Don't do any of that. Um, I think I think the first step, if and part of that question always is, what do I do? the first step is making sure you have a relationship with your pastor where he feels like he can hand or if he can or you can give maybe not he can handle but that you can give genuine constructive criticism in love mm-hmm. because some people know only know how to do constructive criticism full stop they don't know how to do it in love uh-huh. and so if if you don't have a relationship with your pastor already i would avoid letting this be your first interaction with your pastor Agreed. um it needs to be something where you this this man needs to know that you love him, that you you pray for him regularly, and he needs to have heard that already before you bring any constructive criticism to the table. And it would have to be to approach your pastor. I mean, it's got it should be something absolutely atrocious, right? I mean, you don't just yeah mention some differences or even on some intermediate doctrines, yeah. But it, it's got to be a major problem that would really hurt the cause of Christ. Otherwise, you know, I'm of the opinion, just live with it. And, and you know, as you, as you gain, as you set a relationship with your pastor and a status with your pastor, there will actually be opportunities to, in a, a kind, gentle, casual way, you're discussing things yeah. rather than making, making a big deal about it. I mean, more than one pastor, when they stand at the back of the, the sanctuary and people are leaving, there are certain people they don't want going through that because yeah. when they see them coming, it's usually going to be something like that. Yeah. We stop doing that in our church. We don't stand in the back. Do you even call it a sanctuary? 
Um, yeah, we so I mean, I think it depends. Some people call it the auditorium. Some people call it the sanctuary. Okay. Yeah. See, people, I even get flat calling a a meeting place a sanctuary. How really? dare you suggest that this is a holy sacred space? Really? Because then all the pagans won't come here. I like that. I like <laughs> that you can find out. You can kind of tell size people up by the term they use. It's like sanctuary. Absolutely. Okay. Sanctuary, you're old school. <clears throat> You've Aud- got me pegged, yeah. Auditorium, okay. Big church. Okay, you grew up here <laughs> all your life. You know children's church. You call it the big church. You're, you spent your time in the children's church program. All right, so our our last question we have for this um, season finale is um, a little bit of do, it's just a little bit more fun about us. They've already known about our music and they, they know these kind of things. But the question is, who are some, because we mentioned some of these in our podcast, who are some of our favorite, I'm going to use the word, our dead theologians? These are ones we read a lot. They've meant a lot mm-hmm. to us. They've, they've been used by God to shape the person that we are. And if we could, there might be some listening going, man, I want to be just like Jerry. And we all do. Yeah, can you they, imagine? They may want to get the book that, like, of the person that you like. Which book would you suggest they need to read about or which biography? So who are some? Maybe we can give three because we could probably be here all day for that one. Wow. Give three for that. Let me give a category first. Okay. And then within the category, I'll mention some names. All right. Now, I'm going to throw out a name here. Okay. Or a category that people are going to immediately have wrong associations with, and that is the Puritans. Uh Somebody's defined a pure. Look at you laughing over there. No, I'm laughing because we we're, we're doing interviews at our school because you know I'm the upper school principal, and we're trying to bring in a new English teacher, and we're going through the curriculum, and I realized the curriculum coordinator was reading. Well, we read the Scarlet Letter, and then we read the Crucible, and I started thinking, can we really stick it to the Puritans <laughs> and, and never show them any love? Yeah, well, um, a lot of people's definition of a Puritan is. They were people who were afraid that somebody somewhere is having a good time, essentially. <laughs> or um, other just, in fact, if people have that idea, they need to read Leland Riken's book on the Puritans, which he entitled, interestingly, Worldly Saints. I think the subtitle is something is like the Puritans as they really were. So, yeah, obviously some movement's going to have some extremes, but... <clears throat> I would really like to sit down with some of, of the Puritans. Um, two, well, let me mention three that have really had an impact on me. John Flavel, probably one of the main ones. I've read his, his six-volume works, which five to 600 pages per volume. Riveting stuff. By the way, for married people out there, if you keep books in your car and trunk, you can read through all this stuff while your wife's shopping. <laughs> so I had the entire works of Flavel in my trunk. I read through all. I only read them when she was in a store. I got through the entire works of Flavel. So John Flavel, uh, Thomas Watson, Thomas Boston, uh, William Grinnell, That That's four, actually. And somebody out there needs to read William Grinnell's unabridged work, The Christian in complete armor. Absolutely phenomenal. So that would be my first answer, that category. My second answer, I'll just name one person, and that's Martin Lloyd-Jones. I feel like I would, I've heard tapes of him preaching, but I would like to hear, I would like to have heard him in person. I think it was J.I. Packer who said something to the effect when he would hear Lloyd-Jones preach 
uh, that he had heard no, no one ever who had so much of the Spirit of God about him. And people would go on Friday nights to Westminster Chapel and sit on wooden pews and listen to Lloyd-Jones, you know, go through Romans. and But anyway, you know, you read his sermons, you read his other books, you read his autobiography, just a phenomenal, phenomenal individual. I would love to talk with him. I'd probably be intimidated and embarrassed and feel very small, not because of his demeanor, but because I would realize, you know, what a giant the man was. So, um, by the way, if you can ever find online a description of his last days where he talks about how he wanted to die, knowing he was dying and what he refused to do and what he chose to do, just just amazing, amazing man, absolutely convinced of what he preached. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's, that's what sometimes puts me to shame. I feel like, you know, I have doubts on occasion and um, that my faith isn't as strong as somebody like that. So I re- really look up to him, really try to pattern the way I go through a text like he did. Great model of exposition, properly understood, following the logic of a letter. Um, but then just to also be able to sit down with a guy and talk about life. Yeah. And anyway, he, he would be somebody that would really be amazing to talk to. Yeah. And I think, as you mentioned that, even, and I'm a big fan of Lloyd-Jones too, so I have to now think of a third person. <laughs> I, uh, I, I was glad I mentioned him first. Yes. To, and to be fair, you mentioned five, so it's okay. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> sorry. But Lord, Lloyd-Jones, his book, Spiritual Depression, for people who, yeah. just like we mentioned, and, and it's something that I think is very beneficial. It one, is. One of my favorite books of his. So are, I'm automatically going to go to Tozer. Okay. Um, I, I love Tozer's writings. Um, they were they were indispensable to me at a time when I needed to see hear them. Mainly his book, Bad Incredible Christian. It's a series of radio addresses. Yeah. I yeah. read through it once a year. Yeah. Um, it's a series of radio addresses in, in one volume. It's a great book. Matter of fact, when... Uh, somebody's coming to me and saying, hey, I, I, what can I read to really grow in my faith? I'm like, I, I, I give him that one. I'll order it for him. I have him sent to him. It's a great book. Uh, Tozer's work. Um, reading some recent biographies of Tozer's life, um, you, you see not not a negative, not a sinful thing, I would say, even though some might look at this and say, yeah, it is, but just the um, his dedication to Christ at the sake of his family. Um, and some could look at that and go, well, that's what Jesus told us. You know, I get that. But there were times where his, there's one biographer who writes about his son saying that, that dad poured his life into other men, but never into us. Mm. And that one, that one breaks my heart. That does. So I, I read Tozer and I'm thinking these are, these are, it doesn't change the words, what he said. Now the truth is, but now I want to do something different. I want to pour Uh my life into my boys as well as is other people. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and mention Tozer. I'm going to mention Francis Schaefer. Yeah. Yeah. Francis Schaefer is my guy. My wife and I, we've joked around and said, man, we'd love to have a labri, you know, where we you know, mm-hmm. work in the farm. You come and listen, learn from us. Um, as a matter of fact, that's one of the ways we like to do discipleship. We do premarital counseling that way. You don't meet in an office. You come over for dinner. You come over to our house. You watch us interact with our kids at the table. Um, and then we have conversations when the kids leave that we need to talk about. That's how we do that. That's how we do discipleship in our home. We love Francis 
Schaefer and, and his wife, Edith. And then finally, uh, if I could, had to pick one more, um, a person that I've really come to appreciate um, his writings and his life is Bonhoeffer. Um, based on what I've done in my PhD work where I had to read, I didn't read all of it, but probably 90% of his works for mm. for the classes. And uh, just knowing that there's differences theologically, I'm sure someone might be thinking about writing an email right now, I get that, but that his conviction, that he, his, his view was the, the Christian life could not have, can't just be in the building. It has to be all of life. To the point where he, when he talks about being a part of the Operation Valkyrie to take out Adolf Hitler, he says it's not our duty only just to help those being crushed by the wheel, but to put us put us to damage the wheel itself so it can't run anymore. In essence, is what he said. So his view was, I, I need to help people, but I also need to do what I can to stop the 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 the, the what is hurting the people. So he wasn't just involved with the care of the individual; he was also in care of a more holistic, more cultural change. So I appreciate that about him. I, mean, I, I don't agree with certain his conclusions, but you can't deny his love for Christ from his—I think every Christian should read, if you want to know anything about Bonhoeffer. The cost of discipleship is great, but read his letters from Tegel Prison. Hmm. That's where you're going to learn most of his theology, most of what he viewed, how he viewed God, how he viewed life from those works. Even though his other books are great, that, those collect, that collection of letters while he's awaiting his death— um, is really how you get to know Bonhoeffer. So those are the three I would pick. Let me uh, let me cheat and throw in a couple others that came to mind. Okay, you mentioned um, D. L. Moody. Yeah, and obviously D. L. Moody wasn't a great intellectual. And um, I went to Moody Bible Institute for college, so he was talked about a lot, and you know, no big deal. But but at this stage of my life, I'm going back and reading Moody. And I've been incredibly impressed. In fact, I for a while I was listening to some audiobooks of his on YouTube, and I would almost have to pause every sentence or two. It's like that is really something I need to remember or think about. So I've really grown in my appreciation of, of D.L. Moody. And then um, in my more rowdy moments, I, I don't know if that's possible for me to have those, but... Luther, you know, I would just love to. Anybody who says that he wants to be baptized in beer, okay, this is a guy I want to spend some time with, and um, he he would be incredibly fun to talk to. Yeah, but but the good thing is, through all eternity, we'll be able to talk talk to these people. Absolutely. Well, thank you, listeners, for these questions, and thank you for another great season of the Bible Guys. Jerry and I are going to take a break for the next two months. Start again in August get some rest and recharge our batteries and be right back with season five. I can't believe we're going to be in season five. Can't put up with you this long. It's crazy. Well, listeners, thank you for your time. If you have questions, you want to go ahead and submit to season five, you can do that through our email address. And that's at Bible guys podcast at gmail.com. You could also hit us up on Instagram and or Twitter with the username at Bible guys pod. Um, we like to release new content every Friday. So to make your commute a whole lot more fun. Make sure to like and subscribe to this podcast on your favorite listening platform so you can get new content as we release it. Signing off from Season 4, I'm Rick Kleinard. For Jerry Hunger, we'll see you next time.